Hi everyone, welcome to the Paddle Pod, your weekly podcast covering professional paddle presented by Hugo and Gons. We're on to episode 26, which if I'm not mistaken, that's almost half a year of uh, episodes and our podcast being live. So how do you feel about that, Hugo? Oh, hi guys. Hi once again. Yeah, I mean, just so happy. I think when we started this project we had no idea how long it was going to last and I remember during that first episode because we we didn't really obviously we we prep every episode we do our research but we didn't really talk about you know the the ins and outs of what happens when you record a, a session which a lot of people may think is really easy and I remember the first time just thinking how, how strange it was to have to kind of understand when the other person's going to start to speak, et cetera. You know, the, the, just the ins and outs of, of doing a podcast, I guess. And to be honest, I think product hasn't been too bad. Hopefully our audience agrees. And the most important thing is that I'm enjoying it as much as a little kid in Toys R Us. And I'm sure you are as well, Gons, just because of how much we love paddle. So yeah, on to episode 26 and I hope at least 20 more to come, 26 more to come, 260 more to come, who knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly and I think for me one of the most special things about this podcast has has been as well the people that we've met along the way due to it and obviously all the people that we've had the chance to to speak with and, and and to interview and it's been very very special people that are very much involved at a professional level in paddle who I think you and I before starting this would have never even thought that we would ever be able to meet to essentially speak with them and be in contact with them so yeah it's been absolutely special and I hope that the next six months uh, will we'll be even better. I hope that we're providing some content that our listeners enjoy. And yeah, we're obviously, Hugo and I are always thinking about how we can make things better, more engaging. And uh, yeah, we hope that we will continue to, to I guess, improve. So, uh, so yeah, leaving that aside, which uh, <laughs> a small, uh, uh, I guess, like a small intro there. But uh, I guess we, we should talk about uh, this week's Menorca Open, which just finished. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to leave it to you, Hugo. Yeah, and just to reiterate and, well, emphasize the fact that we have had some very, very special guests. And, well, for example, you know, when we had Paddle Up on our podcast recently, I enjoyed it so much, the detail they go into. But I just want to make the fans and our viewers aware that this isn't the end and it's only the start, at least in my eyes. And hopefully we will be announcing a few even bigger guests and bigger names in Paddle very soon. But yeah, cracking on with Menorca, I think the headline for me, for me is absolute domination from the ex-number ones in the world, Juan Lebron and Ale Galan. They have reached the highest level that I've seen them since they were the number one seeded pair in the world. You probably agree with me. And obviously, it's fantastic to see. It's fantastic to paddle, well, four paddle, because having three pairs that are right at the peak of their game and can beat each other at any 
point in time is great. I mean, I was listening to our colleagues at Paddle Up, one of our one of their recent podcasts this week, and they were saying that the big difference between male and female paddle at the moment is how competitive male paddle is, how many good players, well, top, top players, not just good players, there are on the men's side. And the fact that, well, between the top three pairs, anyone could beat anyone. And the fact that there's a race between three pairs is so special because as we've seen, Paula Jose Maria and Adi Sanchez have basically had a bit of a stroll in the park this season and no one's really challenged them. And then I'd also say that Gemma Triay and Marta Ortega are almost in their own league as well because Delphi Urea and Berantale have dropped off a bit. So I wouldn't say it makes it boring. We obviously enjoy female paddle and women's paddle so much as well and the level is getting better and better. But this, the fact that Juan Lebron and Ale Galan are back is going to make the end of the season so exciting. And yeah, only a few tournaments left. If I'm not wrong, is it three World Paddle Tour tournaments and two Premier Paddle tournaments? Um, I believe so, yeah. so. Yeah, five tournaments left. I genuinely don't know what I'm going to do for when Paddle's over for about two months. Um, very sad times, but <laughs> that's a conversation for another time. I'll start with my lowlights for Menorca, if that works for you, Gons. Yeah, of course. Go for it. So I'd say my biggest low light is probably Tapian Coelho in the final. And this probably sounds quite aggressive and may surprise some of our viewers, but I thought they'd started quite well. And the first four games of the match were very even. They could go. They could have gone either way. Basically, they just played on serve. But from then onwards, I genuinely think it was pretty much total domination from Juan Lebron and Ale Galan. It is true that there was a point where, in the second set, I believe they were four-one down, broke back to be four-two and serving. This is Tabian Coelho, and it seemed like they could get back in the match. But then Juan Lebron and Ale Galan broke straight back, and I remember Seban Adone saying that he couldn't remember the last time that Davian Goya had lost their serve three times in a set. So I think it just shows that, one, their level is not what it was a few weeks ago, a few months ago, that's obvious. I believe they haven't won a tournament since July, which is pretty big, obviously, given how much they've dominated Paddle this season. And obviously, it also shows what I was saying before, just Ali Galan and Juan Lebron playing out of their skin. So I'd say that, that was kind of my major low light. although Sanya Gutierrez and El Oveja losing, on, losing in the first round of the tournament for them, if I'm not mistaken, against, was it Jose Terrico and Miguel Benitez? I think it Correct. was. Yeah, just obviously... Very disappointing. And I remember you saying, I'm pretty, I think I remember you saying a few weeks ago when they teamed up, you said that you thought it was going to be basically the same thing that was going to happen in terms of what happened with Mon Monsanyo. They started off really well, everyone got excited, and then they kind of drop off and deflate. And it looks like it's happening already. So, yeah, 
not great for Sanyo. We both weren't expecting much more from the Oveja, to be totally honest. I think he was probably playing above his level over the last few tournaments. So, yeah, I'd say those were my major lowlights. How about you, Gons? Yeah, when I was thinking about this, actually, um, it's quite funny because I think I agree with you, with Sanyo Gutierrez and uh, El Oveja, because obviously you would expect them to go past the first round. But other than that, I'm not sure I would have any lowlights as such. I think everyone performed to their standard in a way and what you would expect. I don't think anyone massively outperformed or anyone was incredibly disappointing. Yes, I think that the one, the, the first one essentially that came to mind was Agustin Gutierrez and, and Sanyo Gutierrez. But even then, uh, given their level uh, recently and just end of the season, all of those things taking into account, it's not it's not like eye shocking that they lose a first round match. But other than that, again, the best four pairs this whole year both made, made the semifinals, which were sort of the semifinals that you could expect. Now, yes, could you expect Koki to Koki and John Sanz to beat in Paquito Navarro? Sure, but I don't think that's disappointing that they didn't make the semifinals. They've had a fantastic run. And there's obviously no shame in losing to Paquita and Chingoto, who are clearly the, the fourth best pair out there. Then again, Juan Tello and Ruiz losing to Coelho and Tapia. Momo and Garrido, for, for example, now making it to quarterfinals, but losing it to um, Lebron and Galan. So I think overall, I don't think there have been any major disappointments, to be honest, other than Sanjo Gutiérrez and, and La Oveja. I think that everyone performed in line with what we would expect from them. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Totally agree. And the reason why I mentioned Dabian Cuello is probably because I'm being too harsh on them. We know how much I love them, you love them, the world loves them, really. They're kind of the favourite pair on tour at the moment, although a lot of people also love these Super Bibes. But I just felt that the match was set up to be Almost the match of the year. And the rest of the matches we yeah. watched between Galán Lebron and Coyo Tapia this season have been epic. Obviously, the one in Vigo coming straight to mind. Yeah. So Panama as well. Exactly. So I was just or Chile. I, I really Chile. expected more. Sorry? Yeah, Panama or Chile, the one where there was the whole uh... Yeah, yeah, sorry. I think that was Chile. Yes, yeah, exactly. Chile. But but that's exactly what I was thinking as well. So I was just expecting more of a fight. And while well, I do have to say that it was probably more due to Lebron and Galan excelling than Coyo and Tapia being bad, as per se. It's not that they played badly, but they played below what I was expecting them to deliver in a final and such an important game for them. At the end of the, at the, end of the day, it could have not totally confirmed the number one rank for them in World Paddle Tour this season, but pretty much. And now it's still in contention. And just going in depth into that match, Alejandro Alan, for me, had one of the best performances I've watched all season from any player. His attacking play, his volleys, but also his smashes were unmatched. I think out of all the smashes he tried and executed and trust me it was a lot of smashes I think he only messed up one and the one that he messed up 
was because Coelho managed to just clinch his smash up in the air. And obviously Coelho, he's almost two meters tall, plus the jump, plus the bat, plus his arm. It's almost like you need to get the ball to be about four meters above the surface of the court. So the fact that all the other smashes were executed well is baffling. So I thought he was sensational and their previous the previous tournament Juan Lebron Alegaran won. I thought Juan Lebron, Lebron was the MVP. But here this week in Menorca, I thought Alegalan really led the pair. And I, d- I am really happy for him because he's such a hard worker. I follow him on Instagram, social media. He's always in the gym, always putting in the putting in a graft and working hard physically and also, you know, training a lot. So I am happy for him and I'm happy to have them back. I have an interesting question for you because I heard a take from our good friend Paddle Break, who hosted a like a Twitter circle space. Uh, they do this with uh, his friend El Padre Les Asi every Sunday at 9 p.m. So for our listeners out there, please do check it out because it's quite cool. You can just basically tune in on Twitter and listening and they bring in some very cool guests actually. But uh, one of the things he said about this actually was that he felt that the quality of the lob from Coelho and Tapia wasn't very good. And that is why essentially Ale Alan was able to get that many smashes. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, you know what? Now that you're mentioning it, and it's very easy to say, but now that you're mentioning it, it is true. I don't think their lobs were deep enough or high enough because even though Alan's smashes were excellent, I don't remember him going for a smash in and around the line in the middle of the court. So, you know, marking the the difference between the serve squares and the back of the court, if you know what I mean. So yeah, and the tea, a lot of times, yeah, exactly. So the line that marks the tee. And a lot of the times players are forced to play those smashes. And now that I'm thinking about the final, I don't think he had to do that that much. They were more towards the center slash the back of the squares. So great analysis from our friend Beecher. And thank you so much from hearing from us because, well, he's made me sound a little bit stupid now. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is very true and um, well, great insight. Yeah, I mean, regardless, you still have to finish those, right? It's uh, not as easy as just saying, like, the opponent just plays a bad lob. You still have to produce a smash. And as you were mentioning, you still have to go through Coelho, who, with his jump racket arm, can probably reach like the three-meter three meter mark. So, yeah, I thought it was interesting, though, when I did hear that, because, uh, yeah, I can definitely feel like that was the case not not every not obviously every smash and um, smash as well is such a confidence shot that once you've got a couple in I'm sure Galan as well felt very loose and then was able to execute better but uh, I mean regardless it was still an incredible performance from him and from Lebron as well they've clearly dominated the whole tournament having to go through Los Super Pibes in the semi-final and then Coelho Tapia in the final uh, two sets 
in 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 both instances i think that is just speaks volumes to to the to the tournament that they've done to be honest and uh yeah i think potentially this leads us on to to a very interesting question which is how i guess when we spoke about this offline um we both thought that this could be a very interesting topic to discuss as we now have three very competitive pairs and uh if i'm not mistaken the question was who would we think would be the number one right if uh if 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 we if we were starting counting from now until till the end of the year so um yes yeah that's exactly it yeah so that's exactly the question and we'd love our viewers to just drop a comment on one of our Instagram posts or interact with us on Twitter to give us their thoughts. I'm going to shoot it straight back to you. So let's start with what you think the ranking would be right now. Top three seeds. Then I'll go for it. Then we can analyze it. Yeah, let's do it. So I honestly think it would just be as it is right now, which is uh, Coelho Tapia first, Super Pibes second, and uh, Leuron Angalan third. But uh, I guess the question is, is it based on, are we talking about like right now in terms of how their form is right now until the end of the season or how they've been uh, in the year? I mean, I think it's just, if they'd all been fit and healthy at the start of the year and they'd played all the tournaments, or most of them, who do you think would be the number one seeded pair? And, well, I know you've gone for your predictions. I would actually go slightly different. I think Guayon Tapia would be the number one seeded pair, but I think they're running a land coming second, very close to Stubai. I mean, you know, I think the thing is, is if I had to bet, I think they would all have a chance right now to still be the number one seeded pair by the end of the season. So I think it'd be really, really tight. And in a way, it's a shame that we haven't seen it. It's still been an unbelievable season. But my thinking behind it is the following. I do think Goya and Davio would be ahead because they've dominated so much that I just can't see any other pair winning more than they have done this season. And they've beaten Lebron and Galan a couple of times, even though Lebron was slightly injured. So they have beaten them. And they were just such an unpredictable pair at the start of the season because players hadn't really played against them. So now they've started to figure them out a bit more. And I was actually reading a bit of, well, listening to our colleagues at Paddle up once again, talking about the fact that they've heard that some pairs have kind of figured out the way that Goya and Dabia defend, and that's why they're struggling a bit more now. But I think towards the start of the season, the first six, six months, even Lebron wouldn't have been able to perform better than they have. However, seeing how well Lebron and are playing this season, and the fact that they've been, they'd previously been the number one seeded pair for over three and a half years, if I had to bet, I would have gone for them ahead of the Superbibus. So that's basically my reason. But it's a very tough one. Yeah, it's such a tough one. I think that 
La Supervias have also had such a good stretch, especially in the summer. And uh, I get where you're coming from. But at the same time, I just feel like, yeah, it is very tough because I definitely think that Tapian Coelho, as you've sort of alluded to, they were so dominant at the beginning of the year. And let's be honest, everyone at the beginning of the year was healthy. And they clearly proved that when healthy, they were far better than everyone. And as you, I guess, alluded to as well, yeah, you could argue that they were the new pair. Still, people hadn't played against them a whole lot. There's obviously that adaptation and, and you obviously have to take into account that when you play a new pair, like you don't, you don't know them, you don't know their habits, you don't know what they're comfortable with, what they're uncomfortable with. So, yeah, I guess that now you could argue that obviously people have played against them a lot more. There's obviously a lot more film that they can watch, a lot more analysis that they can do. And you, you could, I guess, get a better sense of how they play and sort of prepare for that. But I still feel that because they, they, they had beaten or I, I still think that if essentially this season gets replayed again, but Lebron and Galan are healthy throughout. I still think Koyan Tapia would be extremely dominant in the first six months, which I think that would just give them such a big uh, lead towards a race, let's say, towards the end of the year. But yeah, I think Lebron and Galan would have definitely been a lot more in the mix. And it would. I, I do agree with you in the sense that I, it probably would have been quite tight to the, end of the, end of the, to the end of the year and very similar to how it is now, where it's like it's not 100% decided yet who who will end as the number one but in the same regard I also think that Koi, uh, sorry that Stupa and Dineno have both have been so consistent and so consistently great I think that they would have slightly edged it over Lebron and Galan simply because I feel like in a way Lebron and Galan are a bit like Koi and Tapia that they have a lower floor and a higher ceiling if that makes sense I still feel like uh, Stupandineno would essentially be final after final after final and w winning most tournaments uh, or winning, sorry, like their fair share of tournaments. So I think that could maybe give them the edge um, in a possible matchup against Lebron Angalan. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still crazy how tight it would be and I mean to be honest how tight it is hopefully we have that towards uh well hopefully next year this prepares us for for what you know could be a great 2024 um having said that are you off your prediction <laughs> <laughs> I had to well, ask the thing is is that yeah I'm not feeling great about my prediction regarding <laughs> running Alan because I think they've now won three tournaments this season, if I'm not mistaken. Two of them being very recent. And they're literally at the level that they were prior to injuries and everything. And the thing is, is that a side of me, the logical side of me always thought that why would they separate if there's no better other player for them to pair up with? So my only slight feeling was if Lebron just decides to go with Paquito, because that potentially, I could see them potentially challenging the top, top pairs. 
But thinking about any forehand players that could be with Galan, enable them to challenge Stupanineno and Koyotapia, there's just nothing really, at least not in my eyes. So the logical side of me always saw that, but hey, yeah. I still made my bet and I genuinely thought I was onto something. We'll see how they finish the season because the thing is, is that say that there's five tournaments left and for some reason they don't win any or they only win one. Mm, would they consider it? Maybe. It also massively depends on their level. And another thing to take into account is that they had won a tournament prior to going into the Madrid Master and then they lost to the Gutierrez quite comfortably. Not comfortable, comfortably, but in a game they should have won. So who knows? I'm not saying that's going to happen now. I do think they're going to continue their streak. But they are going to have the toughest draw out of the three pairs that we've been discussing because obviously they'll have to face one in the semi-finals and one in the final. So they're going to have to go through both pairs to be able to win tournaments, which is a big ask. And even though Guayan are not their best level, they haven't been for a couple of months now, they're still the number one pair in the world and Stubanineno are right at the peak of the game, their game. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I am very, very excited to watch the remainder of the season. That's just such a shame that it's going to be a bit short. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what we were all hoping for for the whole year. But in any case, I'll tell you what, Hugo, I'm, I completely applaud your take and... Uh, I acknowledge how brave it was for you to say that because in all honesty, it completely caught me off guard. I'd never seen anyone even sort of allude to this. And since the moment you said it, I kid you not, everyone on social media started giving it a bit of heat. There were rumblings out there, people saying like, could Lebron Angalan split, all of that. And it definitely at some point, at some point I would say it definitely caught a bit of fire. So, uh, yeah, once again, our paddle Nostradamus here of, of pairs who also at the beginning, honestly, I, I think at the beginning of, of the year as well, you said that Sanyo was going to split from Momo, like when no one even thought about it. So I tell you what, it was, it was a very brave take and uh, I really liked it. But having said that, yes, I mean, unfortunately, it does seem like it might, it might not come true this year or by the end of the year. But uh, on the flip side, I guess it will be, hopefully it will mean good news for Paddle and for us fans to, to watch some, some very good, uh, some very good Paddle in, in the next year. The only thing I would say is that if they don't win a tournament out of the last five that are left, there is a big chance that one of them might just flip and be like, I need a change. Because they've been together for a long time. And yeah. that relationship must be, well, it must be a bit battered in a way. Yeah, it's so, intense. I think exactly. Stupa, I, I read a quote from Stupa who said this about Martin when I think he might have gotten asked about his, what was his outlook for the, the next season. And he was saying like, yeah, you in power, you never really know. He was saying, like, of course, the idea is that Martin, Dineno and I are together in 2024. But to be honest, like, you never really know. And you live with that person basically 
So obviously it's quite intense. And uh, yeah, so imagine for someone like Stupa to say that about Dineno, who they've been like essentially best friends since the age of like 15, 16. And they've only been not even a year together yet. So yeah, I think that just speaks volumes about the fact that we don't really appreciate what it is to be 24-7 with someone. And even though you might really like them, that can still obviously cause a lot of frictions and that can still, yeah, it's hard to manage that sort of relationship, I guess. And uh, Lebron and Galan have been doing it for whatever, three and a half, almost like four years. So, so yeah, I think uh, it's definitely still out there, but, uh, but let's see. Um, we'll be very interesting to see how it plays out in the end. And just to emphasize one very quick thing before we move on to our last topic of this episode, I wanted to give a shout out to one day on Alex Roof because they haven't had the best season. They haven't won any tournaments. However, they have been very consistent and made the quarterfinals in pretty much any tournament. And they're now the fifth seeded pair at the moment, which is speaks quite highly of them given that we've got absolute animals ahead of them and obviously you were just mentioning the fact that how hard is it to well hard how hard it is to stick to your pair for a long time and obviously it's even harder when results aren't going your way and i'm sure that both of them were expecting a bit more from their partnership but they've stuck to it and maybe it's due to the fact that they haven't had any other clear options in terms of pairs moving around. But they could have forced it and they could have just decided to split, given that, as I say, they would have probably expected a little bit more from them. But hey, even this week, they lost the first set against Guayan Dabia 6-1. They managed to turn that match around and win the second set 6-4. And it almost seemed like it could have gone their way. Obviously, it didn't. But... Yeah, just I wanted to give a shout out to them because they're hard workers and they've stuck to their guns. I don't think they're going to win any tournaments until the end of the season, but who knows? I like so, it. I like that shout yeah. out a lot. <laughs> but yeah, moving on to the last topic of the day and a very sad topic, at least in my eyes. Bella's injury, Bella's elbow injury is a bit more serious than I think he initially expected. And he's now, well, decided to not play anymore this season. At least World Paddle Tour tournaments. We'll see about Premier Paddle tournaments. Which means that he will not be qualifying for this year's Master Final. If I'm not mistaken, that's the first time in his career that he doesn't play the World Paddle Tour's Master Final. Which obviously speaks to the fact that he is the GOAT. Undoubtedly, <laughs> undoubtedly, but yeah, just just sad times. And I've read an interview from him saying that if he's not playing, which he obviously won't be playing, he will be at the master final to watch as a fan, which just shows how addicted he is to battle and how much he loves it. So, yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Gons. Yeah, incredibly sad news that an injury is keeping him away from the master's final. I thought that was going to be a very interesting race as well because we had a, have some players in there that are very close to each other. Coquinieto, Arrido, 
uh, even Sanjo, Yangwas, Bela, who all were very much in the race to make it to the Masters final. So it's obviously such a shame that a legend of the game is going to miss it due to injury. And it's a, it's a bit of a sad farewell, I think, for World Paddle Tour as well. If you think about one player that represents World Paddle Tour, you think about Fernando Velasteguin. And yeah, the fact that he's not going to be able to, I guess, say goodbye to World Paddle Tour on the court properly, as he probably would have wished, is, is a bit of a shame. And yeah, I mean, let's see what this also means for the future. We've obviously talked about before that he doesn't have long left this year. I mean, it looks like it will be also the first year that he's not going to win a title, which is also shocking to, to say. But it just all of these little news just almost make you feel like it's very much coming to the end. Now he has highlighted that I think he would still like to play in 2024. But let's see, we've also seen players like Lima cut short their career, for example, because they've just been injury after injury and not playing how, how they felt. So obviously Lima was going to retire in the end of this year, but he, he cut it short by, by retiring in Madrid. So uh, yeah, I, I hope that is not the case and that he can still come out in next season or obviously potentially before that and play some Premier Paddle tournaments. But yeah, obviously sad that we won't get to see the boss at the Master Final because uh, that was uh, his event. Agreed. And I think it's probably a good time to very quickly analyse what his season has been. And I think it would, wouldn't be fair to not mention how consistent he's been given that I meant, just mentioned how consistent Deo and Ruiz have been. Even though this season has obviously been a bit disappointing, he is getting old. So next season will be will definitely be his last season, he said that. And the fact that he has reached two semi-finals and only not made the quarterfinals in two tournaments, so he's made the quarterfinals in every single tournament apart from two, this is World Paddle Tour tournaments, speaks to the fact that he is Mr. Consistent, which is what he's been throughout his whole career. And I know that people may have expected more, but being totally honest, maybe a final here and there, but given how good Stupanineno have been, given yeah. how good Koyan Dabia have been, and just, just well, Bakitonchik does consistency as well. Not many pairs have made finals this year, to be honest. And the ones that they ha that have are just clearly at this point at a higher level than him. And not only him, right? Mm. He's playing alongside Yanguas, who we both love. He's obviously going to be incredible in the next 10 years, but he's still relatively young. So there's obviously no shame, I, get, I think, in, in not making a final. And yeah, great, great points from you there in terms of how consistent he's been. Yeah. Oh, well, sad times that Bella won't be around for the Master Final, but I think he's played enough of them in his time and it'll be great to see him there. And I guess it's good for some other young players, like, for example, Goki Nieto, who will almost definitely be in well, the Master Final this time. And it will also be Mike Yangwas's first Master Final as well, which obviously I'm very excited to see because he's one of my favourite players. So, yeah, just... 
wishing Bella a very speedy recovery and really hope to see him back on the court very soon and smashing it until he retires. But other than that, Gons, time to say goodbye. Indeed, time to say goodbye. Hugh has been a blast of an episode. Really enjoyed it as usual. And yeah, I hope all our listeners did as well. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a great week ahead. No paddle this week, but uh, thanks for listening in and tuning in. See you next time. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Have a good week.